This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, for what will be your Friday episode. Uh, site was down for maintenance last night, and look, I got to tell you guys, you know, sometimes you literally just, you, you got to pull, you got to pull the cord and get some rest. And uh, we're doing these Google News hits now, um, and obviously the show, and look, check out other Locked On shows, um, you know. This time of year, you're maybe getting four or five. We still try to go almost every day. So every now and then, you just, you know, got to admit defeat. Yeah, rest up. But we're able to get into it here. Uh, you know, batteries are charged, obviously, with a day off. Uh, Pete's going to be away for a couple of nights. Got some uh, stuff to do as far as, you know, the high school program, you know, duties to go along with being a coach. Uh, we brought in some guests, I guess, for tonight. We got a guest in for tomorrow night. So we're just going to get some different slants here, obviously some different opinions. So joining us here this evening from PFF, John Costco, with your host, Jeff Floyd, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, I guess now official, which John really is not really – I mean, it was like the least kept secret in the world. Um, you know, and even there was the story, oh, well, the Niners are trying to retain him. To do what? You're not going to pay this guy, you know, $3 million to be an instant, you know, a guy with a nice title on a defensive side of the wall. But, you know, and again, Kevin Stefanski, old buddy, Joe Woods, your new defense coordinator here for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can't, well, you can block, but um, it's obviously not, it's going to happen or whatever. To, it's a promotion, you know, so like most teams aren't just going to tell you, no, you have to stick around or try to get you to stick around if he's he's actually legit going to take a promotion. Um, obviously, he was defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos for two years. Um, that team had talent, but he also, you know, they also performed well. Um, does, a, does a heavy, a lot of heavy man, um, kind of in a similar mold that Wade Phillips ran his defense. I'm assuming his time in, in San Francisco for a year, he, he, you know, learned some some new things with them. Um, but a lot of, a lot of heavy man, you'll get a lot of uh, cover three cover, but the cover three will be more of like a match, uh, matchup technique there as well. So, um, yeah, it, I think it's a good hire. I mean, just based on what we know, I've, it's not, you know, from what we know from afar is, is guys, you know, he's well-spoken. He's, uh, seems intelligent. Uh, he's a player's coach. Um, and he, he can adjust his, uh, his game plans to his personnel and, and to what the other team is doing. So it's not going to just be a, all right, we're going to line up and do what I do type thing. He's going to adjust his, his, uh, his approach to his players. And for the sake of all of us who've been screaming this for a couple of years now, if he took anything away from this season with the San Francisco 49ers, beg, plead, scream, lay in front of moving cars and say, get me some defensive linemen. I don't care. I want 13 of them. Uh, get me some defensive linemen, please. For the love of God, get me some defensive linemen. It is one of the needs for the team, for sure. You saw the depth. Rinse, repeat. It, I mean, you, you thought that the, the team had depth, but, like, you, you get a couple of injuries, you trade away, a, a, a you know, Jannard Avery, and boom, you know, you, you get a suspension, and you're, 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 you're completely um, dire at that situation, you know, in that situation on the defensive line. So, um, you know, you obviously you can expect, uh, you know, the – the front office and Andrew Barry to, to address the interior defensive line and, and the edge players. So we'll see. I mean, definitely going to, it's going to be uh, uh, definitely some good moves. I think uh, coming this off season, there's some good players that can be had. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, uh, and you know, and the weird part is maybe there's like, you know, 
you know, and you use just a Danny Shelton type. Like here's a relationship where it's it's almost like it could be rekindled because what spoiled the original part of the relationship is no longer here. And, you know, and I never really had any hard feelings or whatever. You know, I mean, there's there's guys out there and you can always piece together, you know, a, a third defensive tackle and you can find a veteran who cares if it's 30, 31, 32 years old, you know, one year, three million. Hey, bro, you're only going to get 50 percent of the reps if everything goes right. But you're going to be fresh. You get a chance to produce, you know, get a good PFF grade. And, you know, maybe go get one year, four million the next year. Um, but, John, look, you know, and this is kind of why we were waiting here. It's to bring you in to just talk speculation and the head coaching search, which is, for me, was the best part of it all, John. We literally got Jimmy Haslam two days after the season was over. And after, you know, obviously the head coach was moved on from John Dorsey. And Jimmy Haslam comes out and says, we're going to do a long and thorough, extensive search into these jobs and the people who are going to take them. Three days later, we don't have a head coach yet. We don't have a general manager yet. A week later, we still don't have it. We still don't have it. We still. And it was like, well, look, at, at least just, at least the guy gave you an answer. And at least for why. And look, I get it. I get it. A lot of times he's been like the Grinch. He, you know, you thought he gave you Christmas and he literally took it away in the same fell swoop. But you know, this is what they've done. And John, look, it, and I keep saying, I don't care if their approach is we're going to blindfold somebody. We're going to put choices on the board and we're going to throw an arrow at it. If that's how they do every decision, at least it's a plan. Um, obviously, this is <laughs> a little bit more of an educated one here. Um, and so now it's they're going to sit down and do it every which way. And it's thorough. It's deep. There's going to be times where everybody's not going to agree. We understand that even if you know, you're taking – but at least you're taking all the information – and actually using it, you know, and, and like we keep equating to people. Um, you see something on a shirt online. Well, this is pretty cool. Everybody goes searching around to see if you can get it for two dollars cheaper. So why don't you? It's no different than anything that we, everybody else does in our lives. Analytics is everybody lives their life analytically. They just don't want to structure in place as far as how to do things. Yeah, I don't know. The about question you, now is. I was just going to say, I don't know about you, but when I go to the car dealership to buy a car, I do zero research on it and just trust what that car salesman tells me. And why don't you call me for these things? <laughs> you know what I do during the day, John, but okay. Uh, no, I they, this whole, the media, it was funny just to kind of watch, you know, they had a plan, they executed the plan, they let the process play out, they wanted, they had a select number of people they wanted to interview. And if one of those guys happened to take a job somewhere else because they, you know, maybe another team was rushing in there to, to have a decision made or whatnot, so be it. You know, they they wanted to get somebody in there that could be that would fit what they they needed. They and what they need is a is a is a, a leader. And a leader obviously is not is not something that's easy to be found, but it's I mean, the guy has to be humble. He has to be collaborative. He has to he has to be able to listen. He has to work well with others, um, and then he has to inspire, you know, confidence in in his team. Um, and so you you gotta figure out a if you interview interview all these guys and let the process play out, you'll get to know all these guys and you have to know all these different thought processes and what they can bring to the table. And um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was you know, from the outside looking in, it was a well-done process and, you know, they landed on the guy that, um, 
seemingly was the best candidate for them for sure you know um regardless of what people want to think about josh mcdaniels or even robert sala whatever but um you know kevin stefanski ticked all the boxes for them and uh i really like the hire i you know from my you know thousand foot view of the the information that i was able to get from you know some some people in the in the league nothing but good things so um you know it's i think it's a it's a good hire and and i liked i liked how you know kudos to jimmy haslam and jimmy jimmy and d haslam for for letting the process play out i think that's the most important thing when it comes to this and they did it with that search and the gm search um never really rushing to a decision like they had in the past for me what impresses me from two ways of it is a everybody's known the haslams have had their eyes on josh mcdaniels for years and always had visions of him. And you want to know what? They let these people go to work and they listen to them. Well, the other thing where it comes from, from the Stefanski uh, side of it is, is it is very rare that a guy can last with an organization as long as he did through three head coaches. Like, you know, maybe the second head coach, do us a favor. We really like the kid. Maybe we want to see where he's going to be one day. But by the time you get to the third head coach, you know, but but that was the thing. And to survive that long in an organization and to go from, you know, and him and some of his buddies who were here, obviously, you know, Joe Woods um, and, you know, who's going to be the linebacker coach as well. You know, late nights, low guys on the totem pole, so to speak, over pizza and, you know, a 12 pack of Miller Lite, cutting up film for coaches meetings and stuff like that. You know, the, the stuff you got to do to break into the business. But for him to last as long as he did. And now get a shot. He comes in here. First things first, you know, him and his family, they look like strictly like they're out of a freaking J crew catalog. Uh, you know, they just look like the mold. They look like the part. Um, but I like what they've done here as far as what they're building. It's he's either going with guys. He's got longstanding relationships with. So it's the theory of you're my guys. You ain't going to let me down. And, or you look at a Callahan or a stump Mitchell. It's like, look, your reputation precedes you. OK, you know, you, you you don't do what you did as long as you did without showing up and doing the job. So I think, you know, they, they've done a good job putting this together. Obviously, we still got a couple more hires to come on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, and Wade Phillips breaking news the other day. <laughs> it was kind of fun, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit of scorn, you know, and I'm sure Wade's not thrilled about probably, you know, a guy like him does probably want to sit at home. But I think what they're doing here and what they're putting together seems at least we're not going to have some of the issues we did last year where it was an offensive coordinators looking down going, well, why are we calling this? What is that? What is this? We didn't practice this. Yeah, exactly. So Stefanski is um, the staff that he's built obviously is people he's known or, you know, has, you know, he's brought in guys like Bill Callahan that he, at least as far as I know, doesn't have previous, previous, um, you know, connection with, um, and thanks for the Giants uh, for that. The Giants. Yeah, we're going to hire Jason Garrett. Okay, guess what? Bill Callahan ain't coming to town. So, yeah, I mean, so fantastic hiring that. Obviously, his reputation in the league is is phenomenal, especially with you know working with offensive lines. Um, so you know he's bringing in these coaches that are you know either he knows them and and you know from Minnesota. You've seen how good that team's been. It's not like those guys don't know how to coach. It's not like he's oh these are my guys type. You know I'm bringing in my guys and. You know, like they don't really know how to coach or something like that. Like those guys in Minnesota, Minnesota's had a, you know, playoff team for, you know, what is it, four of the four of the past six years, and, um, 
you know, all, all that, like they just, they always have really good teams. So um, those guys know how to coach. He, they're good teachers of the game. So he's bringing those guys in obviously with, with the others that he's brought in, same thing. Um, so it's, it's coming together. It's really a good staff. That's going to have a lot of good, uh, good minds. Diversity of thought is, a, is one of the key things that they um, have talked about in recent days about, you know, bringing in the good, good thinkers have different new ideas, fresh ideas, not always being stagnant with what, how they think. So um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's so far on, I mean, on paper, it looks like it's, it's going well. Um, but of course there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and there's always that fear of, you know, there's always the, and it's okay. You, you can have this fear of Jimmy and D saying, ah, you know what? We decided we didn't want to have the living room to be beige anymore. We wanted to go more with like a maroon. So we're just going to change everything one more time. And I understand fans for having that concern. We got more going on here. Uh, five year deals. You know, I think it's, uh, I, I think that was the huge show of commitment. Yes. I mean, I don't know what I, I really haven't, I don't know what the previous deals were for, you know, Hugh Jackson and, um, I, I still don't think anybody knows what Freddie's contract was. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I just don't know, but um, I mean, reporting that, uh, you know, having it leaked out that it was a five-year deal, I think kind of shows, Hey, you know, these are, this is the confidence we have in these guys. Um, especially with, you know, obviously for a lot of fans probably are thinking, man, not this again type thing. Um, it's probably just a show to, you know, to the fans, Hey, you know, we're serious about these guys. We're going to let these guys play out this process because um, obviously the last time the quote unquote analytics team was brought in, you know, it was like they were axed in a year and a half. Right. So um, now it's the quote unquote analytics again, even though you know, every team in the NFL uses analytics and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's just a show of confidence to, to maybe to the fans more so than to the coaches that, Hey, we have confidence. These guys, these guys are not just going to be acts here in two years. They're going to stick around. We're going to, we're going to put our, you know, we're going to be behind them and, and let this process play out. And, uh, you know, I saw, you know, obviously uh, a lot of folks today on Twitter complaining about um your season tickets getting raised. Um, you're paying they, a lot of these been, people. They've been flat or decreased nine of the past 10 years. Like, yep. and they're, one of the their top bottom five in the NFL in how much they cost. So, so what if they came up? They increased a little bit. They're still the, some of the cheapest tickets in the NFL. I think that's quite the bargain. I don't blame I don't blame them from going up. I listen. I don't. I'm not a season ticket holder, so I don't. I can't fully speak on that. But I think it seems fair from from afar. Yeah, it's you know looking. I mean. Guys, look, even if you're upset about it, who are you kidding? You know you're all going. And for everybody, oh, well, we, we want wins. We want wins. So I'm like, I mean, come on. You've been saying that for 20 years. Um, everybody wants so, wins, of course. Of course. Um, we're going to get to a little bit more here. John Costco, Jeff Lloyd, rolling through on Lockdown Browns. John, go ahead and start laughing. Guys, let's talk about sex. Gals, <laughs> let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the day when you, ladies, he was always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready to go whenever opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who cannot perform. 
It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. There shouldn't be. Pine tar. Uh, look at the Houston Astros. You got to do what you got to do to get the job done. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code MLB, all caps. Just pay $5 for the shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, and try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Now, John, Andrew Berry, who now uh, I'm pretty sure the youngest GM. Oh, there's a good old boy. I see the good old boy. Um, <laughs> look at it. And his podcast etiquette is fantastic, John. He's on st- – that, that dog is dog, running with it. That that dog is phenomenal. My dog, uh, he he's, he's fantastic. Like, he's five and a half months old, and he's he was house-trained and – already like i mean he was house trained a month ago and he comes when he's called he's perfect on a leash he does all the the commands that you need him to do on on a dime (laughs) i got lucky so if we're gonna go now with andrew barry what we're gonna say is the dog is on the analytical plan everything seems to be checking out Mm -hmm. obviously john everybody's got their concerns and what aggravated me the most the other day and for the five millionth time Whatever, let's not judge Andrew Berry on what he may do on what Sashi Brown did. Let's let Andrew Berry go to work and look at, like we say with everything, you take it as it comes, you grade it as it comes. People ask him about Corey Coleman, and then people writing articles, well, it was a great press conference, but he still wears the stench of one and 31. Let the man go to work. Look, you know, I gave John Dorsey a fair shake when he walked in the door. I had my way with it afterwards, but give the man the opportunity to do the job. Ain't nobody changed anything. Andrew Barry is now running this ship, so it's now time to take it as it comes. Right. So if you're gonna, if people are gonna criticize him for for the sixteen and seventeen drafts, are they gonna praise him for the eighteen draft that had Baker and Ward and and Chubb and you know? I, I mean. He's not the decision maker, so he can give his input, uh, which is what he did with under Sashi Brown, and who knows which picks maybe he was pounding the table for. I have no idea how how it all works out, but he's not. He was not the final decision maker. So uh, for either of those drafts, he was a part of all of them, obviously. Um, so he knows, you know, a lot of these players that are on on these this team, of course. So um, yeah, of course you got to you got to let this. We got to see what an Andrew Barry run organization looks like now, because we don't know what that looks like. We nobody does. I don't in Philadelphia. You know, he was a part of the draft that was the, you know, that you know they traded up for Andre Dillard or Dillard, I however you pronounce it. I mean, he's part of that, but was he the one making those decisions? Probably not. That was Howie Roseman. That he makes the final decisions for that team. So it's. You know, let's see what it looks like uh, with an Andrew Berry run organization. I know it's going to be collaborative. He's going to do similar things to what, you know, most GMs do, which is gather the information and make try to make the best decision possible. And, um, you know, he's he's a very, very bright person. Uh, his press conference, by the way, was phenomenal, uh, where he the first 15 minutes, he he read a speech without reading it. 
Like he had a speech for 15 minutes long memorized in his head with 70 some people and then and listed off every single one of them without a mistake. Incredible. I've, I've never seen something like that. Oh, no, he reminded me he reminded me of like the college professor who like this was the opening the opening class monologue of every semester he's ever done. But obviously it wasn't like this was it. You know, I finally got this gig and here it is. And he just and you get blown away by how well spoken he is. And and I, I know these beat writers are sitting there like uh, like they don't even know how. Like the thing is, if you want to zing a man that intelligent, you literally have to be as intelligent as he is. Um, so, you know, and that's what you get the one. Oh, well, he went, I mean, he went to Harvard. Somewhere? He went to Harvard. Yeah, exactly. Let's see how many how many schools are smarter than than Harvard in the in the U.S. in the world. Well, that's one of the things I say is like Not he many. literally took the harder road. He could have just graduated from Harvard as a football player. And, you know, there's the big alumni who love the Harvard program. They're the guys who didn't play ball. Oh, well, come work for us. You'll make 225 a year in year one. He literally took the hard road to succeed in his life. And this is where he's at. And I got news for you. It's not like he's going to let up on the gas pedal now that he's, you know, gotten the big chair because I, I don't see a guy that smart, that well-driven to say, all right, I'm just content enough. If it works out, it works out. So, so Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, and Kevin Spansky are all in a room. Who is who's the smartest one? <laughs> like, That's like who has the highest IQ? Like, seriously. But see, here's the thing, though. Who judges that? We, sir, I can't, John. I know you can. No. Like, we would literally be in there and like, and like, well, hold on. I think they said something footballish. Wait a minute. I, well, we don't even know. Wait, what, what, what? Say that again. And you know, it's going to be interesting. But you know, some takeaways from Andrew Barry, and there were some cute little shots. I thought. Um, as far as look, everybody on this team is a Cleveland Brown, and that's the way they're going to be treated. Which you know, as opposed to you know, hey, we just signed Kareem Hunt. What about Duke Johnson? Ah, who cares? I don't know. You know, or you know, other things he did, or you know, the not my guy and that type of stuff. And I thought the other thing, and this was maybe for everybody who just wants to take this analytic thing and just make it you know, essentially equate it to bots. Andrew Barry literally said, "I want to get to know my players better." I want to spend more time with him. Obviously, there's the famous Jeremy Macklin story from Kansas City with John Dorsey. I know firsthand Kevin Zeitler was sitting in a movie theater on his birthday with his wife, and his wife opened up Twitter and said, Babe, you just got we just got traded to the New York Giants. He literally found out sitting in a movie theater through Twitter on his birthday that he had been traded away from the New York Giants in the Olivier Vernon trade. And that certainly was a shot at John Dorsey and the fact that you need to respect your players. I mean, and the other thing is if you want these guys and you're going to beg for every drop out of them, they want to believe that you got them back in the same respect. And I think Andrew did a great job of also, you know, he blew the room away, but also the same part of, you know, we're not just robots or computers here. You know, it's still about human beings and making everything work. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, knowing, knowing your players is, is key. Um, and you, you talk about, I mean, the best, the best organization for the past 20 years has been the, the New England Patriots. And you might look at Bill Belichick from afar saying, ah, oh, he, he's not a very social, very, you know, personable person, but I guarantee you, he knows his players, uh, you know, very well. And he gets to know them and on a personal level, um, so you know the that's what the best organizations do is that they 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 make it like a family organization. I think the biggest the best in my opinion the best example of this is Kansas State, um, where Bill Snyder was for 
you know, 20, 30 years or whatever Uncle it was. Bill. Love Bill Snyder as a head coach. And I was a Kansas Jayhawk. So um, I have the ultimate, you know, utmost respect for Bill Snyder and what he was able to, you know, build that program into. And it was built around being a family atmosphere. Um, and everybody was treated like a, like a, you know, family. So, and you saw what type of success they had. And that was a, that was a program for the ex- the entire existence of its program. That was like, I mean, you've seen what Kansas has been the past 10 years. That was what they were for 50 years. That was, I mean, they were winning at most three wins a year for that long. Um, and, you know, look what he comes in there and immediately turns it around because of the culture he's able to provide because he, he treats his, his players like their family. Um, and so when you have a, a, a GM and a coach and a staff that, that treats their players like humans and not just as, you know, tre- chess pieces on a board, um, you can do it. I mean, you can, I, you know, what, what makes them tick and what makes them uh, not and, and how to motivate them and how to, you know, get them to develop trust with that person. So um, I think that's, that's going to be very key. And, um, and there's, there's a lot of good nuggets from that, that press conference. One of the things I, you know, from a schematic standpoint, I liked how he, he said, you know, they like to run you know, the marriage of the run in the past, but they're going to, they're going to prioritize positions that, for the pass game, because that's how you win in the NFL. Um, that was kind of like a nugget he threw in there that didn't really seem like it got much, you know, um, you know, media co- Twitter coverage or whatever it is, you know, but it stood out to me. Um, you know, the, just all the, all, it was all really good. And, um, I think, I think, you know, we'll see that and we'll, you know, it doesn't matter who, who was drafted by whom, you know, so that's another good thing. They're all Cleveland Browns. They're going to be treated like Cleveland Browns. It's, you know, just because this guy was brought in by this regime and this guy was brought in another regime and then he's my guy I brought in, it doesn't matter. They're all going to be treated the same and, and given a fair shot the same. So, um, obviously these are things that like, it seems like common sense to me and to maybe to a lot of people that would watch football and, or, you know, hope a team would be, but you see it all, all across the NFL where a a new regime would come in and they bring in their guys and then they cut the old guys got, you know, out because they don't want to be a, and it's all, these, these aren't my guys. Like I don't, I don't, the the success of the team, I don't want it attached to the previous regime because then I look bad, but that's just not the case. It's just, there are a lot of good players that the previous regime would bring in and you've got to keep those guys because they are Cleveland Browns. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll recognize yeah, and, who you know, those guys it, are and, and, and do, do right by them. And, and we'll see how it works out. And obviously the you know, two guys right off the bat where it's going to be interesting is obviously Joe Schobert, David and Joker, their futures. Um, and obviously though, you're, you know, guys who are tied to Andrew Berry, we'll see how it works out for both those guys. Uh, well, like, get to a little and bit Joku, and Joku, sorry. And Joku's a player that, there's no reason why you'd move on from this year. Like he's, he was drafted in two years ago. So this is his third. This is no, this is his fourth year. So he's still under contract. I don't know. I don't he see why the guy who, he. Yeah. And David may end up being the odd man out here. Cause you're about to pay a whole bunch of first round picks and second. You might round not picks extend him. Extensions. Right. You of might course. not extend him, but he's going to be on the team for 2020 and you can then at least see what he has. Well, but and, I, and I th- yeah, it's, right. it's, like he's not he's not going anywhere this year unless they decide that he doesn't have it. But like he's clearly an athletic player, and I think he's he's got a lot of developing still to do, and he's extremely young. So like to me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if they decide to move on from him, they decide. But people seem to think that he's like it's a 
a surefire thing or it's like a, it's totally up in the air that he's a he's going to be on the Cleveland Browns and I, I don't I don't understand that. Yeah, and well, the other thing is, is smart people are going to say, well, this guy usually scores touchdowns. Um, well, he barely played in 2019, and that's why he didn't do so much because he barely played. Uh, a little bit more here with John Costco. Guys, when you're looking for Browns gear, you know my folks over at Zabel Apparel. I love them. Uh, obviously, Dad's a veteran. Uh, two kids still uh, currently serving in the armed forces. You are looking for apparel. You are looking for Zabel Apparel. ZaboApparel.com, at Zabel Apparel on Twitter. S-Z-A-B-O. Go ahead and check out the fine folks over at Zabo. All right. We're sneaking a question or two here. We're going to get some John, some of John's thoughts here on, you know, off-season direction roster-wise. But, John, he's one I do like because um, I constantly hear this one all the time. Well, maybe you don't need an offensive tackle at 10. You can maybe go with Isaiah Simmons. And look, I love Isaiah Simmons. I think he's a fantastic player. My concerns with Isaiah Simmons is it's similar to when Reggie Bush came into the league. It's fantastic that he can do this, 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 and this. But when he's moving on from this and moving to this and doing all these different roles, who's doing those traditional roles of a really athletic middle linebacker? And David Whitman's question is, so you can answer them both here, John. Um, what would PFF, where PFF would value Simmons as a draft pick at 10, as opposed to an offensive tackle? So it depends on how, what you, your opinion is of, of obviously Isaiah Simmons. Um, he's a guy that graded out at an elite level in, in college and coverage. Um, he's a guy that essentially does it all. He can, he can line up as a safety. He can line up in the slot. He can line up as a linebacker on the edge. Um, he, he's kind of like a Jamie Collins, um, but a smaller version of that, maybe more athletic than Jamie Collins. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't have quite the, you know, the true coverage skills that would translate to the NFL, but if you put him in the right role, he can be extremely good, which you've seen Jamie Collins do. Um, I would not expect him to be a in guy New England. that you, you, you play him in the right role like New England did and he's fantastic. Right. So he, he's not a guy that I would expect to, you're just going to plant him back there at, at free safety and go, all right, roam the middle of the field. That's not who he is. Um, he's an every He's a gadget player that you move. Is a chess piece that you move around. He can match up with running backs. He can match up with tight ends. He can he can rush the passer. He can you know come off the edge. That's the type of player he is. Uh, that player can be very valuable in the NFL. Um, and he is, you know, he's a guy that's definitely going to go. In, I, I believe going to go into top fifteen. I'm not a guy that I'm as high on like as I was with Derwin James. He's people like to compare him to that, but I don't think he is that. Um, he's Derwin more James close much... to the line of scrimmage than Derwin James is. And Derwin, Derwin, Derwin James can do, can do everything, but he can, go, can go back. Yeah, right. He's better. He he's better in coverage. He's more instinctful in coverage. I think. I think that Isaiah Simmons can develop that, but I don't think you you want to hey pigeon try to pigeonhole him doing that. Um, when it comes to like maybe a role that he does depends. You know, if he can if he can match if Isaiah Simmons can match up with tight ends and running backs, his role would be much more valuable than say an, an offensive tackles role. Um, so I think he can do that. So I think he can be more valuable than offense tackle. Offense tackle is more along the lines. Like you, it's, it's, I mean, I need, so 
no, neither one of these positions you would trade up for. I know people are talking about trading up for Isaiah Simmons. That'd be the that would be a very bad mistake, in my opinion. I think uh, when you the only position that you should really trade up for, especially in the first round, is the quarterback. And since the Browns have a quarterback and they're not going to be drafting a quarterback in the first round, there's they should actually be looking to trade back in from ten rather than trading up. Oh no! Oh no! John's a witch. Oh, trade no, back. God no, forbid. No, That's no, what no. Sashi Brown always wanted to do. No! 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 Don't ever do that. Oh no! No! So yeah, I mean, but but I mean. What I have no idea what the Browns are going to how they're going to approach it at ten, right? But um, free agency has to come through, and, and we have to see what what kind of additions they make there. Uh, maybe they address the offense tackle in, in both the free agency and the draft. That's what I would do. Um, would it so be at tackles, ten? Right? I don't know. Two, two tackles. Right. Two, two. Well, okay, so just like, making sure because everyone thinks right. Such I mean, a crazy multiple. Theory. You need two. Right. You need. To, I mean, yeah. You need two, and you also need depth. So. You want to be able to, to develop, you know, if you're going to attack in, in the free agency at the offensive tackle position, it's not a deep class for free agencies. You got, you know, Anthony Costanzo who might, who might retire. You know, those, those are the It rumors. doesn't sound like he's flirting with retire. He seems like he's about to marry up or retire. Yeah, and this I, is I don't know. Pete, and this is one of the things Pete and I are trying to explain. If you're going to look at um, free agent tackles, at left tackle and at right tackle, Two of the top five names at both of them are going to be Chris Hubbard and Greg Robinson. It, it's it, it's it's not it's not where you go to get tackles as free agency. It's just not right. You're not you're not going to pay overpay. You don't want to overpay for them. So, um, I mean, you don't want to overpay for any position to be honest, except for maybe quarterback when you have that quarterback. But um, I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be interesting. There's going to be evaluation that the Browns are going to put on each player or position. And they're not going to go over that. That's one of the things that will be good about this organization is that they're going to have a specific, you know, percentage of cap and how it's going to be structured for a position, so that they're not, you know, get hamstrung by a, you know, by a contract that they have to uh, honor, you know, five years down the road like um, Ezekiel Elliott is. So, um, you know, I, I, are, is the offense tackle position valuable? Absolutely. Is Isaiah Simmons can he be valuable in the NFL? Absolutely. Um, I would lean Isaiah Simmons over an offensive tackle at 10 if if Isaiah Simmons did fall there. But uh, I would also lean, you know, maybe Henry Ruggs instead over both of them. Henry Ooh. Ruggs. Oh, you're a Ruggs oh. guy. You, oh, oh, oh. You, oh. You want you want to have an offense like the Kansas City Chiefs and have a, a 4-2-5 guy burning down the middle of the field? Thank you. Yes, Henry Ruggs can do that for you. I, I am a huge Ruggs guy. Um I usually get one a year where I kind of get the Odell vibes. I just think he's like that type of baller. And there's the one slant where he catches it, you know, basically on, you know, the the, the top hash and mm-hmm. then just says to everybody else, this is he, And then for the last 40 yards, he's literally like, you know, a car with the emergency brake on. And these guys are just like, I ain't chasing this kid. No way yeah, in he, hell. He, so, so like Judy gets a lot of the, the publicity and, even at PFF, we have Judy and Lamb as as wide receivers one, two, and I don't know what, who we have number one at the time, but we seem to flip on those. Um, I think it was Rugs. Rugs is a type of guy that seems more fluid in what he does and his route running. He seems like a more polished route runner to me. I'm not. I haven't d- dove, you know, done a deep dive on on these prospects yet, but um, he is a guy that that like screams like a, the next like Tyreek Hill type that 
burn you down the middle of the field and, and just open up your offense. And if you can have that on top of having Odell and Jarvis, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, that would be fun. I mean, it would just be fun. And well, and you look at, you know, how the Super Bowl was won with a third and 15. And guess what? We're just going to send our fastest guy deep. And he's going to give you the look of a post and break the hell off because you're scared as hell that he's going to get behind you. Imagine you have an Odell on the outside running that dig, and then you have Ruggs doing that that post corner. I mean, somebody's going to be, you know, Emmanuel Mosley is going to be cheating on that on Odell because it's Odell, and then you've got pop open a a burner on on the post corner there. So it's and there's not a safety in the NFL that can run with Henry Ruggs, so that's not really going to work out too well. Yeah, John, a name or two here that maybe you would drop in as time is getting short. Oh my God. Oh, my God. He absolutely is. John's dog is gorgeous, guys. John's going to have to put a picture on Twitter again. It gave us everybody an update. John, a name or two here. We're getting close to the wire here. Is is everybody, you know, and it's great that he said aggressiveness and free agency. My guess is it's not the tackle position. Maybe it's a safety position. I'm not really sure because, you know, what their big needs are, I don't see a lot out there free agency-wise. Yeah, so for for the tackle, really probably not uh, safety or tight end would be my, in my opinion, the the positions that you probably want to attack in in free agency. Uh, mainly because if a for tight end, not I'm not even saying anything against David Njoku, but if you're running the Kevin Stefanski offense, which was you know 25 percent cover, you know uh, 11 personnel, and then 70 plus percent multiple tight ends or you know, you know, 21 or 12 personnel, um, then you need another tight end and you need a starting caliber tight end. You know, you got Hunter Henry, you've got uh, Austin Hooper, you've got Eric Ebron and Eric Ebron is like, he feels like he's been in the league for forever, but uh, he's only 26 years old. So, and he's a, he's a quality player. So like all these players are quality players and Henry obviously has like the, the injury, you know, track record of his, uh, but still very productive player when he, he, he is healthy. Same with Austin Hooper is another guy who um, obviously lit it up with, with uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, and then safety wise, obviously there's an Anthony Harris or a Justin Simmons. Those guys are going to be expensive. Ha ha Clinton Dix though. Another safety that could be uh, brought over. That's, that's the interesting name there. Um, I have to put a wrap on this one. Cause you know, it's been a while since John and I, whipped it up on pregame make sure you were checking out uh at john costco three all the stuff over at pff the show at locked on browns me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go brown